podcast that is yet to be named. We are Recon Sports. I am your host, Mike Klein, along with Jake Worm. You can find us on Twitter at Recon Sports Pod. Jake, what's going on? What's going on, man? We finally made it. We finally reached mid-April. It's officially NBA playoff time. One of the best times of the year. The the Masters was was this past weekend. They wrapped up a, a pretty decent Masters tournament. I love this time of the year. The weather's getting better. Now they're introducing the play-in tournament. Everything's just looking up for for us at least in the sports world. It's been a few seasons now since we had a full 82 game slate and uh those 10 games really really you know, they it made it feel longer than like longer than those extra ten games actually are. I know. I mean, I mean, three weeks ago, I was just foaming at the mouth, ready to ready to talk NBA playoff action. But um, I think looking back, you like to see an eighty-two game record yeah. when it, when when the when the record the wins and losses add up to eighty-two. It, it feels like you really have that full season. Um, but we're here, man. It feels so good. Yeah, it does. It it, it really is exciting, and for this year's playoffs. More so than past years, I feel as if it's kind of like the March Madness bracket this year where it's so up in the air for the most part that you're not entirely sure who's going to do it besides Phoenix. Yeah, I think it started around the bubble time. Well, once LeBron, uh, once he left Cleveland, it's almost like, okay, now now it's not, we know what the finals is going to be like. We know mm-hmm. everyone else below these two teams don't have a chance, you know. Right. Uh, I think starting the bubble year um, and then the past two seasons, um, it's just been like anyone could win it, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milwaukee made that jump that, that they had a wall in front of them the, with, with Giannis before last year, and they were able to jump that. Phoenix got Chris Paul. They showed up. I think this year's – I mean, we have favorites, but anyone can still do it. Yeah, I, I, I think – this is a year where you have, at the very least, four teams that could legitimately win the title. And then you have some teams that things go their way, or, you know, an injury happens to the other team, or you get someone back at the opportune time, then anything can happen. Yeah, we touched on it in our last podcast. We ranked these teams. Guys, go check it out. We had a visual for it. It's on YouTube as well. Uh, on top of all the podcast locations we we post on, so check that out. Um, today, Mike, what are we doing? We're getting into the specifically the playing tournaments and then a couple playoff matchups, right? So today we're going to cover first the four playing games. You have the New Orleans Pelicans playing San Antonio for the chance to play Phoenix first round. What a fun reward that is. You have Minnesota going against the Clippers with Paul George, with Norman Powell, who are going to be fighting to play Memphis in a loser-gets-Phoenix game. Yeah. It's high stakes. High stakes in that one. <laughs> Look at that. I mean, think about that. You, you, you overachieved so much in your season to just get the shit beat out of you by Phoenix, right? You see... I have some thoughts that we'll get to when it comes to this Minnesota Clippers game. And I guess I'll just tease you for now. I feel for you, Minnie. I feel for you. And don't worry. Your time will come. On the other side, we have Atlanta playing Charlotte to have the chance to play Miami first round. And then the winner of Cleveland and Brooklyn will get Boston. So, why don't we just start off with Nets-Cavs here. Okay. My first question I have for you about this series is, and I'm not sure how I should word this, because there's two ways. My first way of wording this is, what is the Cavs' best route to winning? Alternatively, what is the Cavs' only route to winning? Yeah, it's. Uh, this is going to be tough. I mean... As a Cavs fan, you're you're happy to be in the play playoffs here, for the first time in a while without LeBron, right? That's right. Um, 
you've got you've had looking back on your season, you've got breakout guys. Evan Mobley is up for rookie of the year. Just just an all around solid year. And even after injuries, um, you still got to look back and be like, wow, we we did a good job. You you unfortunately you fell. You were safely in the playoffs in a good four or five, six or seven seed, and now you fell back into the plan and ultimately drew Kevin Durant and the and the Brooklyn Nets. Um, in order to win, there's a few. <laughs> There's more than a few things you gotta you gotta have perfect and, and things roll your way. Um, one of them is you just really have to make Kevin Durant uncomfortable. Uh, Good luck. Looking at that starting lineup, you're gonna start Okoro, Levert, Markin, and Ann Mobley. Uh, that's in your two through five spots. I think you're gonna have to throw him different looks, make changes defensively. Uh, if he capitalizes on, on on a few of your sets or your looks, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to switch it up. I think an X factor is Laurie Markkinen, defensively and offensively. Um, he's not shooting the best on the season from three, 35.8. It's okay. Um, but if he's known as that stretch four kind of guy, you're going to need him to hit some shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing, I don't think you want to have Mobley playing that traditional center position. I know he's going to start at the five, but I think you're going to want to sort of rotate him around both on offense and defense. You want to have him flying around on defense, not just locked on to the big man in the, you know, in the paint. He doesn't – when he's that traditional center role, it's just he's not as uh, productive, I guess. Um, then offensively as well, um, you want to sort of spread him around the, the mid-range area, uh, maybe take a couple threes, but really, really just don't have him play that traditional five, and I think that spreads your floor um, – and it just makes him more, uh, more, uh, I guess, effective. Yeah, he, he's such a versatile player, really on both ends, but especially defensively. I think it'll be really interesting to watch his battle with Andre Drummond down low. Roman's, Drummond's one of the best rebounders in the league, and he he's a huge, huge body. And so players with that build and those skills have been giving Mobley trouble all year. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a ton of strength compared to NBA centers, and he his, he's not the greatest rebounder. Um, there's times where he he's just kind of finds himself in the wrong spots when a shot goes up, and against a team like Brooklyn who has a player like Drummond who if you give him the opportunities, he will eat you alive. And in a, in a one-game series... While I do feel this is Cleveland's best chance to get in, like if this is a seven-game series, you can kiss their chances goodbye. Yeah. Even at full strength, I mean, you're you're just asking for way too much. But Brooklyn has its weak points. That's why they're in the seven seed. Yeah. Um, however, just as like a side note. Winning 44 games, and I'm going to hit on this when we get to the Minnesota game. Winning 44 games and getting rewarded with a one-off game against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is just brutal. Yeah. It's absolutely brutal. And for two young teams to have to go against established veteran teams with a very clear star player... It's it's a really hard, and it it probably can become easy for them to get down on themselves. But you have to understand that you had a wonderful career, and you have a chance to get into the playoffs. And in the Cavs' chance, if you win, you get Boston. Yeah, I mean, I I know it's it's tough that you have to have to come across Kevin Durant, and for um for Minnesota standpoint, you got to come across the Clippers, who are still an established team. I mean. It brings an aspect to the league. I'm not a huge advocate for the plan. It brings an aspect of, of NCAA tournament vibes, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a winner. You win, you move on. It's a one-game thing. Anyone can c- catch fire, you know? Darius Garland steps out, has an a insanely efficient night from three, um, th- puts up a double-double with, with assist numbers. And you could still win. It's a one-game thing. Yeah. Like you said, in a seven-game series, kiss your chances goodbye, but that's the fun of the plan. Right. And with that said, the the Nets are three and one versus the Cavs on the regular season series. So if that's any indi- any indication, it will be a tough matchup for the Cavs. 
and I don't know if they have the right person to guard Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, do you put Mobley on him and sacrifice the shot blocking down low? Do you put Laurie on him and sacrifice getting killed in the mid range? Do you put someone like Okoro on him and hope for the best? I'm not really sure, but JB had fun with that decision. Yeah, I think uh, ultimately it might be a little, the task might be a little too tall for Cleveland. Um, I think Brooklyn does get the job done at home and they move on to play Boston. I mean, not to mention Kevin Durant, but but also Kyrie Irving. He's back. He's playing everywhere. He, he can yeah. play at home. He can play away now. Mm-hmm. They have a pretty decent bench rotation. Patty Mills comes in. Cam Thomas can score. They don't know if Ben Simmons is back, but I think, uh, despite a lot of rumors, I think he'll be able to f- to flow in nicely once he does come back. He won't be back for the play-in, but um, I think it'll just be too much too too much firepower for Cleveland. Yeah, I, I, I have Brooklyn winning that game as well, which would put Cavs in the next game, which would play the winner of Atlanta and Charlotte. These two teams also had the exact same record this year. And what what I think about this game is that it's going to be a very fun, high-scoring, probably high-paced game. And you get that with Charlotte no matter what. I mean, in any game all season, they bring it at you. They're not going to care what you're doing, but they're going to get their shots up. And... They're they're gonna they're gonna score. They're gonna they're gonna put up a lot of points. They're they're ninth in offensive rating. They're sixth in pace, and so yeah, that's hard to keep up with. Yeah, I, I said this I believe in our first podcast, but um, this is just a low expectation team. Uh, they're all young guys. Um, they've got an injury now for Gordon. Mm-hmm. It's just they're just out there having fun. It looks like running and gunning. Six and pace, you said. I believe it. I mean, you yeah. watch that game. They're they're throwing it up and running the ball. Lamelo's throwing full court passes up to to his guys. Um, Atlanta is still young, but they're not nearly as fast. So that's that'll be an interesting uh, uh, at least matchups in terms of pace. Yeah, I, I do think this will be one of the more fun games overall. There's going to be a lot of offense. There's going to be a lot of fast break. There's going to be a lot of threes, and. It may just come down to who can who can hit the most half court shots. I don't know, but uh, don't te- hey don't tempt Trey with that, bro. Yeah, well, hey hey. Uh, I think I do have Atlanta winning this game. I think that their threats outside of their top two, which by the way, John Collins has missed a lot of time recently, and if he is not in this game, I do still have Atlanta winning but in a much less significant fashion. I don't think it will be a beatdown by any means, but I do feel they'll still edge their way out in the end. Yeah, um, there's no doubt John Collins is a huge portion of this team. He has been for a few years. Mm-hmm. was a reason they made, a, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, mm-hmm. which is wild. Um, but it looks like he says he's still not sure. Um, he's pretty yeah. doubtful for the game. Um, even with him, uh, I, I like I like Charlotte here. I think uh, these low expectations, just run and gun, just having a good time. Uh, Atlanta's kind of they're kind of upset to be where they're at, and I think that's going to be a burden on them. Um, Kevin Herter hasn't done too hot recently. Uh, DeAndre Hunt, DeAndre Hunter, we expected to play play a little bit better this season. He's not he hasn't been that great. Uh, Gallo is just Gallo. Uh, he was on OKC Thunder. He don't was okay by man. I just, I don't really see out of Atlanta this year. I think this is a forgettable year. Uh, and Charlotte is trending upwards right now. I mean, look at them in the last three weeks. Uh, they're, they're flowing. I just think they carry this momentum uh, even through through the first game of the play-in. Yeah, I, I could see it. I, I do see this game having a chance of going either way, even though I do personally feel Atlanta wins this. Now, if Atlanta, let's say Charlotte does win and they catch Cleveland in that next game to play Miami, who would you theoretically have there? You have Cleveland versus... So let's say Cleveland versus Charlotte. Charlotte wins, Cleveland loses. 
and now they have to play to play Miami to fill in that last spot. Yep, that's a scenario I did want to touch on. Just the the um, the winner of the nine ten series, Atlanta Charlotte, would probably come across uh, Cleveland. You'd imagine. So, yeah, I I I think they look ahead and be like an injury, full, a team full of injuries in in Cleveland. I like our matchup, I guess. So, I haven't necessarily thought ahead that much, but. I think that would be a really fun game. I'd probably go Cleveland still. I like Cleveland. I think Garland would be the best player on the court. Yeah. So, and that I think that would matter. Uh, the versatility out of um, out of Mobley. He wouldn't necessarily have a, a tougher matchup now. He's just got to guard Mason Plumley. So I'd probably go Cleveland there. Mason Plumley. Yeah, yeah. I I I have a feeling I'd probably lean the same way. I, I was just kind of interested in what you had to say there. So now. Going back out west, let's talk about the two playing games there. And let's kick it off with Minnesota and L.A. So I said I had some thoughts for this, and I got to say, I feel terrible for the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves, they have been working to turn this franchise around for Many, many years. And they've had a lot of decently good to decently average to just downright bad teams. And they got Jimmy Butler a few years ago. They made the playoffs. And it was a great step for them. It was a great step for Cat. It was a great step for the organization. Fast forward to today... They went through a process where they were regaining talent because they lost Butler, and now they ended up with D. Russ and Anthony Edwards. And they finally turned their season around. They win 46 games. That's a lot of games to win, and you're in the play-in. Agreed. Yeah, they were safely at the 7 any other year before the play-in. I mean, you're in the playoffs safely. You're playing the 2 seed. And if they were playing a series with Memphis, that will be fun. Yeah, but now they catch the Clippers, and <laughs> I I don't think there is a more annoying team to play in the play-in than a team like the Clippers. When you have the wings that this team has, along with the talent that is back now, on top of one of the top adjustment coaches in the league, I'm not sure... It's, it, it could get ugly for Minnesota for me. Yeah, talking about their wings out in LAC, just they've done such a good job strategically surrounding their stars with, with defense and shooting. I mean, this is true for starters and their bench players. Their starters are Batum and Morris out there. Uh, and then on their bench, they got Norman Powell back, one of the best six men now, just, just off rip joining the team. Right. Luke Kennard, is, you know he's got that green light. And Covington, <laughs> Covington is a pest on defense and one of the better three and D guys. Um, you can shuffle these lineups in, you can shuffle the rotations, and just being able to throw these guys at Anthony Edwards, who I don't believe, what I don't see a scenario where he has a phenomenal game against them. With Ty Lue coaching, uh, I don't see him having a game where, where you know, he he decides the outcome of the game at least. Yeah, I imagine it's gonna be a lot of cat trying to do things, and then I, I could see Anthony Edwards getting bottled up a little bit. Um, the Clippers, just they have those wings with the length and the defense and just the veteran know-how and where to be. I think a lot of that favors them here. However, if there were to be a path to, to winning this one game, for the Timberwolves, it's just going to be about getting hot from three. And against the Clippers, if you get into a shootout, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of good luck there. But if there's any team to do it, it probably is Minnesota. Yeah, I love their roster construction. Just I know they're they're pretty fresh into their their rebuild and they're they're overachieving right now. But I like Malik Beasley starting at the two for them. Jared Vanderbilt's come on um, offensively can be a little skeptic, but. He brings that defensive attitude along with Pat Beverly off the bench. The roster construction's there. I think they have a bright future around their stars. You keep adding to that. 
But yeah, this matchup against LAC is a little scary for me right now. Yeah, they they recently just re-signed their coach to a multi-year deal. I'm not sure on the full details there. So that proves to you their confidence in Finch, and which I think is justifiably so because he, he brought this team back. And he somehow found a way to put Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell on the same court and play defense. And... That's wild to me. Like good defense at times. <laughs> they they get a lot of steals. They can they can get some blocks, but uh, the fact that you can have two players like that so offensively oriented on in a, in the same lineup for long periods of time, and you can still field somewhat of a defense, I think I think it says a lot about the coach, and it says a lot about the other surrounding players as well. Yeah. But uh, what it comes down to is, I mean. Since March 1st, their offensive rating is third in the league. And since March 1st, they are also putting up the six most shots from three. So this is a team that can get hot. This is a team that can score points. And if you're if you get caught lacking for even a few seconds, you're gonna look up and they put up 20 points in a matter of two minutes. Yeah. And that's that's where um that's where the Clippers come in, and Ty Lue, I think they, they'll game plan around that. I agree. Really control it, make it their game. So, that being said, I have them winning that. LAC making out making it out of this game um, and going to play the Memphis Grizzlies in the two seed. I, I, I too, actually have the Clippers winning. Um, I think the veteran presence, all the wings, Ty Lue, everything to me just points towards the Clippers winning. And... I also think Paul George has the potential to be the best player in the court. It'll either be him or Cat, most likely. And that'll be a fun battle to watch, though, I will say. Yeah, I think that'll be one of the more exciting games, too. I'm interested to see both of these teams. Um, if, mm-hmm. if one of them were to get eliminated, um, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty not necessarily upset, but it's just interesting because both of these teams are, are really good and have – at least the late the Clippers also have really high expectations for themselves. So, and, and you don't, you only have PG and Kawhi for so long. You know, each season matters, and including this season. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that. And before we move on to the final play-in game, I just have a quick stat here. And Paul George has played in 59% of regular season games the last three seasons. Also, Kawhi Leonard has played in 48% of regular season games the last three seasons. Yikes. That's not ideal. With the amount of money and assets that you gave up to make championship runs, this is now your third year in, and you still are struggling to get a fully healthy playoff series under your belt. I think it's frustrating for the Clippers, and... Yeah, every every season matters, man. Uh, yeah, especially especially when you have two aging stars, uh, you want to you want them to be playing more games than they are. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't throw in the towel this season too. They easily could have just just called off PG season, let Norman Powell stay out, and just sort of get their youth, their young guys involved, and just just load up for next season. But no, I'm glad they're 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 bringing everyone back and at least trying to make a run this season even without even if Kawhi doesn't come back. Right. And I was under the impression early on that they were going to do such a move. I was almost convinced of it because there was so much uncertainty around Kawhi and Paul George. Plus the fact that it still keeps happening all these different injuries. And it just seems like something's always going on there. But they're in the play-in, and they have a chance to get Memphis and avoid Phoenix, which is huge for them. That is probably their route to making the finals, is catching Phoenix in the conference finals. Maybe catch an injury from them or something? Who knows? Maybe. You don't wish it upon anybody, but that... Without Kawhi, it's hard to see them going too far yeah we definitely had them in the perfect scenario need luck and, tier and i think it. that's pretty accurate yeah. where they're at yeah all right so let's get to this last plan before we get to the seven game series on a much much less interesting note and probably <laughs> the least interesting 
game yeah. of the of the postseason. N- not as valuable. I don't this. I don't think this game will get a lot of views. Yeah, we'll see if those numbers even see the, the light of day. <laughs> the NBA is just gonna hide the, the viewing numbers. We're just gonna put those ones in the archives. <laughs> um, yeah, the San Antonio Spurs versus the New Orleans Pelicans, and maybe it isn't fair to say all of this about the Pelicans because they are going win now, which looked like it may have been a questionable move in the beginning of the season, but. They ended up making the C.J. McCollum trade, which is huge for me in the development of getting Zion back because without this move, who knows Zion's confidence level in the organization because you see them pay money and assets to get guys like Devontae Graham. Mm -hmm. And they did get Valanchunas, which was a big, big addition for them. And he's had a great season, by the way. Yeah. Um, you you hope that you could have seen Zion back, but uh, this is still a team that improved. They got better, and they have a route to looking like a more competitive team than where they were at. Yeah, they did. They, they overperformed. They outperformed a LeBron James Lakers team. So, now was that that hard to do? <laughs> I think on paper it's it's I, I think that's a win for them, but yeah, I agree. But and just making the plan and they're the nine seed, um, possibly get into the playoffs here. Play Phoenix. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to get destroyed if you play Phoenix. It would be ugly. Um, but I think really you're looking ahead to getting Zion back and you're trying to prove to him um, that this is a franchise he wants to stick around with. Um, Brandon Ingram has been has missed some time. This is still a cool team. It's still a fun team. They got their their veteran leadership in CJ. Um, I know I'll be watching this game because I have to. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that being said, uh, I'm gonna actually switch gears and and take San Antonio in this game. I think uh, Dejounte Murray fighting for <laughs> most improved of the year. I like I like him. I like him and Pirtle down there putting in some work and stealing this one. We got the Spurs, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do do the Pelicans have Brandon Ingram? That's that's another thing that's in the air that that you got to add that into the equation as well. Just um, if he's there, it's definitely a more uh, close game. Um, I don't know. I think because of how uninteresting this game is. I haven't given too much thought to it, and I think I might be defaulting to Coach Popovich as well. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and pick San Antonio, man. Not much to say about this game. No, there really isn't. Um, it'll be fun to watch what CJ can do. Uh, he's he's finally given that chance to lead his own team. So uh, we'll, we'll see that. We'll see where that leads them. He won't have much... <laughs> He won't have much adversity to face when Josh Primo's guarding him. <laughs> so, so it should be fun. All right. Let's get into the real deal. Let's get into the NBA playoffs. Here we go. Seven-game series. Now, perhaps not the matchups we were wanting, maybe expecting, but there's still some intrigue here for me. Um, if I'm looking across the board at these four, so for this podcast, we're going to cover the 4-5 matchups and the 3-6, and later this week, we will get into play-in results, the 1-8 matchups, and the 2-7s. As for now, I'm going to start off with the most interesting to me, and that is Philly and Toronto. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. This is the series to watch um, out east. And I think just, yeah, between these series games, Sixers-Raptors is going to be a fun one. It really is. And because when you look at it, you see it's almost like painfully obvious where each team is going to struggle, right? Joel Embiid is going to – he may average the most points in postseason history. (laughs) <laughs> in this series. It it could get that ugly. But to me, there's also 
a world where Nick Nurse finds a way to use Scotty and OG and Pascal and Precious and Chris Boucher and Thaddeus Young to give Embiid some problems. Now, are these problems severe or are these minor bumps and bruises? I'm not entirely sure, but the thing I am sure of is Embiid is going to eat in this series. Yeah, I mean, you look down the list of the Raptors' bigs, they don't have a, an actual clean, pure, big center to, to shut them down, but they will be able to throw at least a f- I could probably look at four or five guys to throw at Embiid. So that gives you at least fresh legs, if that means anything. Um, but I'm sorry, I disagree. This is going to be an absolute nightmare for Toronto down low. Um, this is... <laughs> They're facing the first center to lead the league in scoring since Shaq back in 2000. Unreal. Um, you're not starting a pure center. You're going to probably start with Siakam on him. Give him looks with Scotty and OG Ananobi. Yeah. And then off the bench, you're going to probably, I think your best bet is Precious coming in. Precious Achua. I'd imagine Achua could, based on how he performs in the first game, I could see him starting in the next few games. Okay. The problem there is just Embiid's Embiid's unguardable. Like you get that out of the way first. Like there's no true answer to guarding Embiid anymore. There used to be very few options. You know, Al Horford, Marcus All. They're not. They're not the closest they would see any of those defenders, which is only one of those would be in the conference finals. So they don't have to worry about that. They have to worry about Thaddeus Young. Yeah, no, I think Achua, I think Achua is your best option just because, just he he's he's pretty active. He's a young, yeah. active guy. I I call him spaz players. So um, I know guys like Anthony Davis struggles with guys like that. I think a guy that falls under that category is a Montrez Harrell player. He, he might he, he they sort of fall under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Boucher's not going to do much against him. That guy's too skinny. Watanabe, not happening. Kem Birch. <laughs> I just don't see a world where Embiid doesn't average 38 here. Yeah, it, 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 it'll it become the question of over-under Embiid on 35.5 points per game. Yeah, that's a pretty good number. I'm taking the over no matter what it is. <laughs> um, listen, Embiid has had his chances literally since back, back in 2018. Uh, obviously, the... The teams with um, Brett Brown and and Ben Simmons, they, they made runs. They had high expectations from 2018, 2019 in the bubble. Um, they were, what was it, game seven against the Raptors? And when Kawhi hit that game that game winner, it bounced on the rim. Brutal. Yeah, I think Embiid, I, I know he's still in his prime, but how long is that going to be? Big Ben, he could come across another injury. Uh, this is his time. I think he's going to win MVP. He's, he's competing for MVP. I don't think a Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, Raptors team uh, is going to stop him here. So just to make sure I heard that correct, did you say Joel Embiid is going to win MVP? That official scoring scoring leader title is a big game changer for me because that is a huge award in this league. Um, he's averaged over 30. I love, I love, love, love me some Jokic, and it's not even because of the of the efficiency numbers, but if we're getting into the MVP argument, I think Embiid has a much larger argument than he's had all season, so I'm not putting any official Jake Worm official MVP yet. Not happening. Okay. You're not getting it from me. I just wanted to confirm what my ears heard <laughs> because what they've heard all year is this Nikola Jokic propaganda. <laughs> and here we are. I think it's the, the Raptors matchup and the, the defensive scheme that they're going to try to throw at Joel, Joel Embiid that's just not going to work. I think that's also sort of making me sound like I'm, I'm loving Embiid more. Where are you at? With Toronto guarding James Harden. Yeah, see, I think James Harden, because of the situation, um, he's going to let the game come to him, I think, a little bit more. He's not going to force his hand, especially in the beginning. 
I think he understands he's got matchup. He's winning matchups across the court. So um, if he if he plays within himself, I don't think uh, he's going to force it. Gary Trent and, and Van Vliet, not the best defenders. They're they're pretty small. Um, I don't think I don't think he's going to struggle way too much. Obviously, he'll probably have a bad shooting night every once in a while, but. Um, I think if he lets the game come to him, he 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 makes passes. He's a he's gonna be a pass first guy. Once he got to Philly, he started passing first. So um, let the game come to you. Get some pick and rolls with with Embiid. He's not gonna struggle too much, I don't think. Okay. Looking at Harden's last ten would suggest that scoring has been a bit of an issue. Um, there's a few games of two for 11, four of 15, four of 13, three of 12. Mm. So there's a couple games in here where you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, he's really banking on the free throw attempts. Are we going to get that hardened in this first round? Because if there is anybody in this year's playoffs... Besides maybe Boston, that would give this Philly team, and especially James Harden, hell is going to be a team like Toronto, a team like Boston, where they have, one, just the defensive personnel, but they have, in Toronto's case, all of the length, all of the height that's under 6'10", and how much is that going to affect... Harden. When yeah. you put all that length and size on him. The inconsistency is there, at least towards the end of the season. He's got Maxi as his as a sidekick. They're getting Danny Green back. He's gonna have to step up. because um, Matisse he can't play in Toronto. Right, and that's another aspect of this series that could have some pretty big significance because Matisse for you for anybody is either their best defender or their second best defender. And so if he can't play in what is it? 3 of these games? Yeah. That could influence the series because if you think about it like this, who is the replacement for Thibel? Yeah. You're, you're going to get either Danny Green. Yeah, an, or, age, an aged Danny Green. Are we putting Korkmaz out there? The, that, think about a defensive fall-off there. Think about a defensive backcourt of James Harden and Korkmaz. That's rough. That's rough. Um, looking looking at their bench still. Same with Shake Milton. Uh, he doesn't really have – he doesn't bring much to the table defensively. Niang isn't phenomenal defensively. They all can shoot, but yeah, there are questions on uh, how are we replacing Matisse out there on the wing defensively. It'll be interesting to see. It will be, and it gives Shake the opportunity to be shaky again. He he's had a bunch of random opportunities throughout the years on this team to really showcase his scoring ability, and if they're gonna do anything, they're gonna need him especially when Thibel goes out. While Thibel's not going to provide much for you offensively, Shake's going to have to bring his offensive game up to or near the level of Matisse's defense to replace that. I mean, you're, you're relying so much on Embiid and Harden and Maxi. Where does Tobias Harris fit into this series? That's another good question. Where has he fit, period, since they got Harden? It's like um, you almost forget about him. You forget that he's on this team. I still think he's a valuable asset and a, and a big part of this team and their success. So um, if he can continue to grow in his role, which is an extremely less role than it was in the past, um, that just it just adds on to how good they can be there and raises their ceiling. Yeah, and with with Tobias, where I struggle is that he's a career 36% from three. And you're like, okay, 
That's not that bad. You can you can roll out with that, keep him on the perimeter. Now, with Harden, players around him that aren't centers tend to be turned into watchdogs. Yeah. And if your offense is having Tobias Harris catch and shoot a lot of shots. It's a little weird. It's not his most comfortable you know, it's not the way he's going to want to play, and it's not the way he's going to be best utilized. You, For them, they just hope that he can hit two a game, have a game three, four. Yeah. What I'm getting, the vibe I'm getting from you, Mike, is that you're leaning to Toronto in this? Because it seems like you're uh, you're uplifting Toronto and, and putting a damp on, on 76ers' name. The top-end talent obviously goes to Philadelphia. Now, it's the surrounding pieces that make me want to go Raptors. And the Raptors games are so chaotic. Like, every single one of them, when it comes down to the last five minutes, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if someone's going to fly in from the opposite wing, get a block, catch the ball, throw it down the court, the guy misses it, it's a turnover, and then the next thing you know, they get another steal, then they, they're chucking up half-court shots, and Fred Van Vliet will step back for three. They're, they're such an interesting team when it comes down to the wire that I think their chaos gives Philly too many problems. And I have Toronto in seven. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Toronto in seven, upsetting Joel Embiid and... James Harden in their first year together. The first upset pick of the pod. I respect it, dude. You got the gonads on you to, to, to make that prediction. Uh, that's respect, but Joel Embiid, in my in my humble opinion, is going to be too much of a force for this Raptors team. Like you said, there's chaos, but Embiid is a cool cucumber, man. He gets that ball. He knows what to do with it in the post. Um I expect 38 out of him. I'm taking Sixers in, in six. I'll take the Philadelphia 76ers in six games. Okay, there you have it. And let's move on here. Let's get to the other series in the East. And we get we come across another team who I kind of just feel bad for. And I don't mean this in any way other than just Chicago's been through the ringer, man. Chicago, every month, seems to have a new injury. Every second week, Lonzo tweaks his knee. And Patrick Williams played, I think, 15 games this season. They've had a lot of injuries. But I don't want to harp on just that. I want to think about, is there a path for the Bulls to win and ultimately, what I came across was Milwaukee in four. Milwaukee in five. <laughs> let's let's get to the to the main question here: Who's guarding Giannis? Every time I think about this, you know, it feels like the obvious answer is Patrick Williams, and you have Boost just help. That is arguably the worst answer I've ever heard. <laughs> um. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what you do there besides send two to three to the ball every time, but you don't always want to do that against Giannis because he's such an improved passer. <sighs> yeah, the, the Bulls base, they, they really hang their hat on having just a collection of young athletic guards. Obviously, injuries have hurt them with Caruso and Lonzo being, Lonzo's going to be out the rest of the season. Right. Um, but they really hang their hat on that. Um, but those guys are going to be on Drew Holiday. They're, this is a terrible matchup for the Bulls. It really is. Um, Drew Holiday is just going to let the game come to himself. He's going he's gonna to play bully ball if he has to. Um, but he's got all this Hall of Fame talent around him in Giannis. Um, he's got champions. He's a champion himself. He's got Middleton, who's a champion. Um the, so the perimeter, the Bulls' perimeter defense, which they hang their hat on, is just not really going to be a factor. And when Giannis gets the ball, it's just going to be game over. This is another scenario where 
Um, the matchup is just falls into uh, Giannis's strengths. Um, Bulls Bulls are gonna maybe sneak one game out just because they have, might have a good shooting night out of Levine or maybe DeRozan. They have a very close game. It gets to the end and they give the ball to DeRozan. Who DeMar and Mars. He is he, he's proven down the stretch of games to to close games out if, if he needs to. So I'm not gonna give him the sweep. I'm gonna go Bucks and five. It's very kind of you. City Chicago. <laughs> yeah. I uh I put a lot of time into thinking about this series, more than I should have, and I still the only chance that they win a game for me is if DeMar puts up forty and hits a game winner. And would you could very well see that, maybe in one in Chicago, that'd be fun. But uh they're playing the reigning champs. They're playing they're playing Giannis. He's up for another MVP. I yeah, I, I got Milwaukee in this. Yeah, Brooke Lopez is back. Um, this is one of the best shooting centers, and a huge reason why Giannis um, has done so well, especially in the playoffs last year. Is he's able to take out those centers by with with Brooke Lopez being a threat from deep. Um, so you're probably going to have more times than not Patrick Williams or or Derek Jones Jr. on an island with him. So it's not going to be a good time. Vooch on the help side defense, if he can help, um, he's not a defensive guy. They they picked him up from the Mavericks, or I'm sorry, the Magic um, last year. Uh, that was an offensive move, and he still has not done too well as of late offensively. Um, so if he's not he's not providing offense like he was expected to, and he's still not a defensive guy, I don't see I don't see him providing what they need inside the paint against Giannis. And so with that said, the East is complete. Let's move over to the two series out West before we close out the pod. Where do you want to begin first? Um, let's go 4-5. Let's go 4-5 again, just like we did out East. That's the Mavericks and the Jazz. Starting in Dallas. Now, Dallas has some... Have some questions they have to answer here. And the very first one is, is Luka Doncic going to be able to play? Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is going to be two separate series, whether whether or not Luka plays. Um, and what is the result if he doesn't? If he doesn't, I think the Jazz pull away with it. I don't see a situation where the Mavericks are able to win a series without him. Um maybe win a couple games, but this Jazz team, they still have their struggles, but they're still a full team. Right. And the Mavericks definitely rely on their star more than they do, and if he's gone, uh, this, this is a Jazz win, if, if, if Luka's not playing. Yeah, I... Uh, I want to I wanna believe that the Jazz... Let's say Luca is playing, just for the sake of the argument. Okay. Um, you want to believe that the Jazz still have the chance, the opportunity to turn everything around and win this series. Um, their, their issues, they haven't necessarily adjust, or they haven't really tried to fix them in a few years. They just keep adding more and more offense. They said Rudy Gay was supposed to be their new stretch five so that they didn't have to play Rudy at the five the whole freaking time. And that experiment, that well, one, it hardly wasn't. They hardly gave Gay a minute at the five, and even when he did, he really wasn't playing that well. No. And so now it just becomes another score. You know, he could play some defense. I don't, I don't know how you feel about him guarding the wings just like how you feel about the rest of their wings guarding wings and so the jazz just have the same problems that they're running into every year donovan mitchell said it a few weeks ago and looking at them versus the mavericks i can easily see the mavericks spacing them out and just letting luca play luca ball yeah let's 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 assume luca is playing uh, it didn't look the the 
ankle injury didn't look too bad. So let's just assume let's assume he is playing. Um, yeah, I like I like the matchup for the Mavs um, just just because of Luca. I think he's he could have a breakout he could have a breakout series here um, and sort of certify himself as an all time great, um, averaging triple double numbers. Um, and looking at the Jazz themselves, I just I, I'm getting the feeling that. Their, their their locker room is, is realizing this this iteration of players is just it's coming to a close. Their mm-hmm. time together, um, they they may not all be together next season. Donovan doesn't look happy. He's just can, just seems like he's always upset. They're they're breaking down at the end of games consistently. Um, I'm not sure what that means for the series in this in this playoff run for them. Um, maybe that hypes them up. Maybe be like, this is our last time together. Let's prove it. Quinn Snyder might not even be the coach next year. How much do you believe that last point? Not the Quinn Snyder one. That what? How much do you believe that... <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's The thing with the Jazz is like... Can they pull it together? Like, they, they keep falling apart in these in these close games late or these games that they're blowing someone out, and then next thing you know, there's six minutes left, and now they brought it within two. It's like, I don't know. I I think a nothing to lose, everything to gain mentality um, is huge for, for just a team in general. Um, it seems like the, the Jazz have gone into playoff series – in the past few years with just so much expectations. They were a higher seed than they were this year. Um, so whenever they lost, it was just a major letdown. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I think if, if everyone just has a feeling like, man, this is probably going to be our last time together. We kind of underachieved. Donnie's not happy. Um, let's just go out there and play. You know, we, got, we don't have much to lose. So they could be dangerous in that aspect. Or it could just be the opposite. Maybe right. – Maybe they're like, oh, this is it. Who cares? Like, we don't really have a shot. Who knows? Let's say the Jazz play the Mavericks. The Mavericks do not have Luka the whole series, and the Jazz lose. Yeah, that's it. That's um, If you lose to a, a Luka Doncic-less Mavericks team... It's um, got to be time to blow it up. That's it. Um, Donnie's on a new team. He's wearing a new jersey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Think about him on a few teams. Have you guys ever even thought about the idea of Donovan Mitchell on a different contender? How Honestly, awesome! No. How awesome it would it be if he was on the Miami Heat <laughs> or something like that? There's a lot of teams you could put that type of player in, and they're instantly Finals favorite. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a crazy idea. Um, but yeah, I think the Jazz this this could be the, the the last time we see this iteration of guys, especially with like Mike Conley. Um, Clarkson might be moved. Um, I think you're going to have to decide, do they keep one or the other between Gobert and, and Donovan? Um, but, yeah, just looking at this series, I think the only way they win, uh, they could they could pull it together. I think this is still a 50-50 series. Do you truly believe that? <sighs> okay, 52-48. I'm going Mavericks with Luka in seven. I think Luka steps up here um, and just ends the show for the Jazz. If Luca's he- let's if theoretically Luca's healthy all seven games, color me in for Mavs in five. Five, I like it. I think it's one of those years where the Jazz know their time is coming up, like you've said, and it'll be about you know enjoying each other, enjoying the run. But it just seems like they they can't get on the same page on defense, and that kind of just speaks to me that. They understand the issues, and they've heard the chatter on Twitter, on social media, on TV, that, oh, these guys can't get stops. They're relying on Gobert. That's just not sustainable. It maybe is for the regular season. It's worked for them. But come playoff time, we see it not working time and time again. Yeah, I think Luka wins his, his first playoff series. This would be Luka's first playoff series win. And if they do win, now they catch Phoenix. Now that'll be fun, but looking ahead, maybe maybe that might be a, too tall of a task for Luca. Um, but that it would be cool for Luca to win this once this first round Agreed. series against Utah, 
and I think it would be in dramatic fashion because it, it I think it will be closing out this iteration of the Utah Jazz team. Yeah. If you're a Jazz fan or a supporter, enjoy this series because this is probably the last one you get. All right, let's get to the last one. And we have more injury concerns. Steph Curry is reportedly day-to-day with no timetable on when his return could be. Steve Kerr said that it's going to be a day-to-day basis where they keep evaluating him, and just as time goes on, we will know more. So come our Friday pod, Friday-Saturday pod, um, we may have the update, the official update for you then, and we may get a little bit more into this. But as of right now, we're going to assume Steph Curry's not playing, I guess. So if you go without Steph, you're playing against another team with drastic injury luck. And the reports are recently saying that Jamal has a slight chance to return in an extended run. I don't know if that means second round or conference finals or finals. But either way, you imagine that's unlikely. MPJ was reportedly unlikely to return. I feel like his is a little bit less likely considering his injury passed. They may not want to push their luck there. If we go without Steph, how do you feel about them versus Denver? It seems like the if that's the case, they, they go into this series without him. It seems like the, the playing field is a little even now, right? This It's de- a lot closer to being even. Denver is, is out of their is their out of their guys in Jamal and, and KPJ. Or I'm sorry, uh, Michael Porter Jr., not Kevin. Um it seems like it's a little more even. Um and for that reason alone, Jokic might absolutely snap. Um, but I still think the Warriors' depth and, and full roster would be able to at least pull out enough stops to, to win four games here. I'm not sure how many games that would take. And I and I truly don't believe Curry will be out for more than one or two games. I think they the, re- the reason he's been he's been out is honestly to rest up for this this playoff run. Um, you know how teams like to do it, especially mm-hmm. teams that have won rings in the past. Let's let's rest our guys. Um, so I think with Curry out, it's a level playing field more so than without him or than with him, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but I still I still think they get the job done. They got Jordan Poole absolutely on fire recently. This is the best six man they've ever had, even on their final runs. Um, Iggy's still there. Kuminga's catching hot. Uh, Otto Porter's okay. He uh, he's a decent wing out there to replace Andrew Wiggins. Draymond's back. Yeah, I just think from a roster standpoint, um, <laughs> it's just so much better than than an Austin Rivers Bones Highland rotation. You know, the Nuggets bench is almost downright disgusting. I don't know what a composo is. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> They do have DeMarcus Cousins. That's my guy. Although, defensively, he will get hunted if you play him. But offensively, he can still be more than serviceable. So there's something to watch for there. Jokic is going to have an unbelievable series against the Warriors here. But it probably... you got to look at who's around him. And I went on this a little bit in the last pod about Barton, but you're relying on Monty Morris, Will Barton, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, like good players, but none of which are your second or even third best players on a championship level team, in my opinion. Yeah, to me, to me, these guys, all the other guys in their starting lineup would be really good bench players. Yeah, I outside yeah you know no you're, you're probably right I think Aaron Gordon could be starter in some places and I think Will Barton could as well but like it's not guarantees that they start on every team and I think that speaks to the level that 
they have to play with this season. Yeah, it's impressive, too, how Jokic has, has played really with them. And, and I've got them to the sixth seed out here in the West. Um, yeah, I'm going to take, ultimately, Warriors in six. Klay Thompson, did you, did you see last game? 41 points, 7 for, for 14 from three. If we get anything like old Clay, this is this is a dangerous. <laughs> I think it might be five, four or five. You bring Steph Curry back with that level of confidence, Clay, and what Poole's been doing, and that way Wiggins can just be a guy and not all star starter. Then this Warriors team has a real chance to make a deep run, and out, I'm just saying outside of just a two-round run or a one-round run where they go seven games. Like, you win this game. The winner of this game is going to get the winner of the Memphis and one of Minnesota or the Clippers. That is your best route to getting to the finals. However, you don't have to play Phoenix until as late as possible. Yeah, it would be the Western Conference Finals. Um, Yeah, with Steph Curry, this team is a contender. And I, I yeah, and I I agree. I see them as a contender. I think when everybody is playing, the defense can be pretty unreal. They have the athletes. They have they have the guys, the rotational guys to throw out there. You have your your Kamingas, your Gary Paytons. Ooh, Gary Payton. You still have Juan Toscano. You have you have Belisha and Iggy. Like you have guys to throw out there that can play defense, and you have guys out there that can shoot threes. Plus the starting five that they have. Yeah, I'm I'm playing it safe. I'm gonna go Warriors in six. What's your what's your pick? With Steph Curry, I'm going Warriors. Warriors in six. Without Steph Curry, I do believe that there's still a route to Golden State winning this. You mean Denver? I think there's a route for Golden State to win it, but I have Denver winning without Steph ooh, Curry. Ooh. Wow. But it would be in six to seven games, and if I had to pick one, six. Okay. I'm just going to stay safe Warriors at six for either. I think uh, they're a more complete team. Um, and I think they, they play with Steph. They played without Steph quite a bit, so they're, they're not unexperienced in that category. So I like it. I like I like your bold prediction. So without Steph Curry, you like? You like the Warriors still? I do. Okay. I do. Okay. I think come playoff time, you need a full team. Their bench is astronomically better. Agreed. Um, I want to vomit when I look at Denver's bench. So that matters to me. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to stay safe at six with Warriors. All right. Any last thoughts on Warriors Nuggets? That just about does it. I mean, like you said, I was looking for – better matchups in the first round here, and this wasn't one I really wanted to see. Maybe at full strength. Yeah. I, th- I, think oh. th- I think there's some real entertainment at full strength, but you're right. With where they're at, yeah. This, uh, it sucks. It really sucks when you have injuries like this. You know, you have your, your Luka injury, your, Watt, your Rob Williams, your MPJ, Jamal Murray. It sucks when players of that level and who are that good in, in their own respective cases get injured, and they miss out on the the pinnacle of NBA basketball. Yeah. But that being said, we are here. I'm happy we finally made it. We're 82 games in. We finally are watching NBA playoff basketball. 82 games later, and we are here. Yeah, I mean, if I were to ask you one more thing, would it? Uh-huh. what do you think is the most intriguing or most entertaining series for you? Or, or playing game, if you want to – Touch on just one playing game as well. That could be an so, option as well. While I think defense is optional in this glorified pickup game, I think Atlanta Charlotte has a lot of potential to be a lot of fun. I think there's uh, there's a lot of intrigue there. Um, you're gonna see a lot of cool things happen on the offensive side. Um, defensively, it may just come down to who misses more shots and that can be fun Hmm. now as for a series my most entertaining is i probably got to go philly toronto i have them as my most like 
interesting to kind of think about and like first round to watch but i also i i think that's my most entertaining there's a i mean you do have toronto upsetting him so right and so that for me does a little bit but also how much of an upset is a four five matchup that's true that's true they've only won three less games they have a better record against them in head-to-head matchups this season. So yeah, the Raptors are three and one versus the Sixers on the season. Um, it's not always an indicator of how the series will play out, but it gives you a look into what those games have looked like so far. And Toronto's looked good, and recently they've looked even better than they have the rest of the season. I mean, since March first, they are fourth in defensive rating, and trailing only Boston, Phoenix, and Memphis in that order. And so that just shows you the level they're operating at on defense, the, the, you know, the level that they can play to when everybody is engaged and in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely my most interesting, more entertaining playoff series. Uh, there's no question there because I see – other series going to shorter amount of games, four, five, six. Um, in terms of the play-in tournament game, I definitely am super intrigued with Minnesota and the Clippers. I think both teams have um, a lot on the line here, um, more so than, say, a San Antonio Spurs-Pelicans matchup or uh, Brooklyn-Cleveland. Um, I'm going to – yeah, I think – I think it's Cleveland, man. <laughs> the, like I said, they're happy to be here. Um, We're having a good time. We're vibing. But um, Minnesota, L.A., I think both teams think highly of themselves. They're, um, I think it's also the best matchup. It'll be more fun to watch. I think a lot of people are projecting Minnesota to win. I've seen that. I've seen Minnesota's getting a little bit of hype here. Um, for me personally, if they are not catching heat from three, and they, especially if they continue to chuck them up, I don't see it. I mean, the Clippers are not going to beat themselves. You have to beat them. Yep, that's exactly right. And so when you play a veteran team like that, that also now has youth infused, and they're getting healthy, so those guys are going to be probably pretty rested. Yeah. There's just so many things working against Minnesota here. But, again, they they should be extremely happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, that that just about does it for me, man. That covers everything I want to cover, at least for what we wanted to talk about here with the playing and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I'm all I'm all out of thoughts. I'm my brain's turned off. <laughs> and with that said, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Expect episode five sometime saturday morning before the official playoff game start we are recon sports leave us a five-star rating wherever you are listening to if you like what you heard and like always have a good one